State of the Industry podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the State of the Industry podcast. I am your host, Adam Youngsma. This week, we've got a fantastic guest. It is Alex Cartmill, who is the project manager and head coach of the Online Trainer Academy, the most comprehensive certification program for personal trainers and other health professionals who want to work with clients online, which seems like a great idea in this day and age with all of the gyms closed. He developed the OTA alongside founder Jonathan Goodman in 2016, and he has managed the operations of the program ever since. He also co-authored the Wealthy Fit Pros Guide to Online Training along with Goodman, which now has 20,000 copies in print. Alex resides in Portland, Oregon with his rescue dog, Charlie, who made a couple appearances on the podcast. Throughout this episode, we talk a lot about the importance of online training and how the current fitness industry, the way that we've seen it in the past is is broken. It's a little, uh, a little bit outdated. And so there are things that you can do to help uh, protect yourself with regards to bringing clients online or having a, maybe a little bit of both. But uh, really, we focus on why online training is so beneficial not just for the flexibility of it, but also for situations like this, just in case something like this ever happens again. Uh, We both agreed that the fitness industry will never be the same, but what it's going to look like, you will have to listen to find out. So without any further ado, let's hop right in. All right, welcome to the State of the Industry podcast. Today, I've got a, a great guest. He is the project manager and head coach at the Online Trader Academy. It is Alex Carpmill. How are you doing? Doing great, Adam. Thanks so much for having me, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Great to have you on. Uh, this is going to be, honestly, this is a conversation that I've really looked forward to ever since, honestly, this whole pandemic thing started mm-hmm. and everybody was out of the gym because, honestly, so many trainers have emailed me, messaged me on Instagram, Facebook, just being like, hey, like, what can I do? How can I kind of get into this? But before we talk about all about that, before we give them all kind of the nitty gritty, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about you, what you do and, and how you got to where you are right now? Yeah, absolutely, Adam. Um, so right now I'm, I'm the head coach of the Online Trainer Academy, which is basically a thorough certification program to help trainers do a lot of what they're looking to do right now, which is basically either transition their services to to online or add a digital component to their business in some way, shape or form. Um, and as I'm sure, you know, we'll get into, but a lot of people are forced into thinking in that way right now, whether they want to or not. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I built this program out with John Goodman on the Personal Trainer Development Center back in 2016. I remember sitting in his apartment thinking about what should we call this dang thing? Um, so we've been really building this out from the start together. Um, and then I've just been running the day to day and overseeing the coaching team, et cetera, ever since. Um, but to kind of take a step back a little bit it's, it's, as to how I got involved with the PTDC in the first place, um, you know, I was a personal trainer. I have a kinesiology degree from Oregon State University. I was the typical uh, wanting to be a trainer guy. 
I was just a fan of the PTDC when they first came out. Um, I thought they were doing just really great work in terms of they weren't focused on themselves and they were focused on the trainer. And at that time, which this is probably six, seven, eight years ago now, a lot of the fitness information that, that was helping trainers was beneficial for the person who was putting it out there. Yeah. And that, that was very obvious to me. Um, and so when I came across the PTDC, it was more of, wow, this, this, this company seems to be really taking more of an empathetic approach to this and saying, we're, we're this entity, but how can we help you be the best you can be? They understood that their clients being the best is what would make them be the best. And so um, I actually reached out to John in the past and just said, hey, I love what you're doing. Really great work, just kind of planting that seed. Um, he actually put out a mentorship opportunity and saying, hey, I'm gonna mentor one person for six months um, as my 20 year old self at the time was like, great, let's do this. You know, I have absolutely <laughs> no chance of getting this, but why not? You know, he was a celebrity to me at that point. Yeah. And so um, I made it to the final 10 or 12, which was a phone call. Oh, and the application was write me a letter, a handwritten letter, uh, explaining why you're better than everyone else in 500 words or less. Um, which is so fascinating to me, yeah. Just because the 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 variety of responses you must have gotten in that it must have yeah. just been crazy. Um, but um, and so basically in that letter, in that letter, I just wrote about how much I embrace failure, how I think failure is a part of the learning process. A lot of people avoid it, but I think we should be moving towards it as a learning experience and not be labeling it as an inherent negative. Um, and so anyway, that phone call, I completely bombed. Um, you know, just, I was, I was sweating, shaking, absolutely no idea what I was doing. It was an out-of-body experience that, that I, I barely even remember. Yeah. Um, but he asked me one question and he said, why are you a better personal trainer than someone who is 15 years older than you and has 15 more years experience than you in the field? And it's just a better trainer than you. What makes you different or better than that, than that person? Yeah. And this is a question now I pose to all of my students and, and a lot of budding trainers, but I had absolutely no idea what the answer was at the time. Um, I said some BS answer about something and his response was, I don't think you understood the question. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, <laughs> that's, that's not what I wanted. Yeah, it's not um, a good sign. That's not a good sign. No. And so, you know, he basically said, hey, I think you have it, but you don't know what it is, so we're not gonna work together. Um, and when something like that happens to me and, and, and something I was really excited about, even though I didn't have the expectations that I would get it, but of course I did in my mind, you know, um, logically I didn't, but, but emotionally I, I thought I would. And so I was devastated. And so that, that question almost, almost haunted me for a while um, because I didn't know the answer. And man, about a year went by. Um, I thought about that question nonstop. There was one day night actually in the middle of the night um when i started answering the question in a way that just made sense to me and i started writing it down on my phone and i sent john that message the next day and said hey you don't remember me we had a 15 minute phone call a year ago here's my answer to this question that you asked me that i didn't know um and he said man this is awesome do you want to be an intern for us and that's kind of how i got my foot in the door with the ptdc I was nice. doing super, super oddball work for a couple of years. I was their social media manager for a while. That was one of the first paid gigs. Um, and then in 2016, when he said, hey, you know, 
there's a need for this. I want to build out this certification program. Do you want to be my right-hand man on it? And here we are today. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's a crazy story. Like, um, I know I, r- I run some personal training certifications here in Toronto, just like mm-hmm. in person. And sure. a lot of the time, it's very interesting listening to new trainers and why they're doing what they're doing or, or kind of what makes them want to be a personal trainer. Mm. And that, that same question, right. Is like, what, what would make you better than a trainer who's been doing this forever? Right. Like what, what makes you better in that? And um, most of them have no answer to that question whatsoever. Absolutely not. Because it's basically asking, you know, regardless of the information you possess in your brain, which is becoming less and less valuable inherently because it's more accessible. Mm -hmm. Why would people hire you? Um, And so many people, and this is, you know, goes across a lot of industries, but especially the fitness industry, they think what separates them is I need to get another certification that's going to help me improve my knowledge, or I need to continue reading and learning, which is absolutely true. But if that's what you're using to separate yourself from the masses, it's so accessible to everyone, including clients these days, yeah. that it's not going to move the needle as much. And we're just forced into thinking that way, man. And it, yeah. and it makes total sense. I used to teach at the National Personal Training Institute in Portland. Yeah. And I, I posed this question to every single one of my classes. Um, and you're absolutely right. No one had an answer. But I think that's almost positive. I didn't want people to force an answer on themselves and think, mm-hmm. um, you know, oh, here's my gut-wrenching response. You know, it's like, think about it. Just plant that seed and think about it because it's, it's a filter that if you run everything through, um, man, it's helpful. Yeah, I know a lot of, um, like as educators, often our biggest job isn't so much to hand people more and more information, or as you said, kind of ram more knowledge down their throats, but mm. maybe help them filter information or or ask different questions right like that's Mm. a big thing for me is i i may not know as much as you know some of the other big wigs in the industry but thinking differently is a very very important skill as a personal trainer because you can know everything but have no idea how to apply it right and i think that's a really big thing that a lot of trainers struggle with is they know a whole lot and so they'll go to a course and be like yeah there's nothing new for me there Right, right. They miss kind of maybe those one or two, maybe three small little things that just shift, just shift ever so slightly, right? Because once, once you become an experienced trainer, there's no new knowledge, like, right, right, right. There's just different ways of saying the exact same thing. Like if I go to a course, I still spend thousands of dollars on courses every year, just because I want to see how different people do things. Like I don't do it as from a, I need to gain more knowledge, but I want to see how different companies present. Um, and how they put together information to make me better at what I do, because that's what our company does. And um, like to me, that's that's the important piece, right? Like that's really what I'm, I'm I want trainers to be able to do as well. Is just you have kind of this set of principles, right? And then you kind of find different things that fit within all those principles, right? Because um, you know one of the big quotes that a lot of people say is like every single client you see is an n equals one right like mm-hmm. they are their own person they got to be treated differently they will probably require a little bit of change with regards to assessments or programming or um, maybe even manual therapy that you'll send out to a physio or a chiro or an osteopath or something like that 
Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's, man, that is such a powerful way of thinking. Um, and it allows you to take in knowledge in a way that's actually beneficial because what so many trainers do is they, they exactly like you said, they focus on taking in the knowledge side of things and they don't focus on how to filter through that knowledge and apply it and give it life in their own unique situation. And so you're just piling up this knowledge in your head with no real benefit. Sure, you know more things. Yeah. But again, we're in the information age right now. We have all the information that we'll ever need at the tip of our fingertips. And it's like, if that's, if that's your only way of growing, there's a ceiling. Um, and is it actually growth? You know, mm -hmm. man, it's, it's, it's something I talk about all the time with OTA students is don't get so hung up on the specific path that you're taking and, 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 and the tactful specific path that you're going to go down. Focus much more on what's, what boxes do you need to check? What wireframes do you need to have in place? What framework do you need to have? What guiding principles, just like you said, need to be there. Once you understand what those are, how you're going to check off those specific boxes makes so much more sense. And it also allows you to utilize trial and error a lot more effectively because you're really mm -hmm. not going to make a catastrophic error if you have an understanding of what this framework needs to be. Um, but you're able to utilize trial and error and say, okay, I'm going to check off this box in this way. And, and man, for instance, like I see this with social media all the time, you know, a, a, a lot of, not a lot, but a, 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 a good cornerstone of our marketing is you need to build genuine relationships with people. Yeah. Um, and so many get hung up on, well, what platform do I use? Should I use long posts or short posts? Should I be on video? And I don't want to be funny. Like, should I do it this way, this way? It's like, listen, <laughs> none of that really matters. Mm -hmm. it, if you're providing value to the people that you want to help, if you're building trust as an authority and as a human being within your network, you know, if you're actually communicating with people and showing genuine interest in, and ensuring your people know that you're in their corner and you care for them. And, you know, if, if you understand what boxes need to be checked, how specifically you do that is not nearly as important. And we're allowing those, those micro decisions of, man, should I do short posts, long posts, et cetera, et cetera, to occupy our mind as the macro, but we lose sight of the macro in the first place. And when we're making decisions purely looking at the micro, it's almost like a shot in the dark because we don't understand the overarching purpose. And I think exactly like you said, that applies to the overarching fitness industry a ton. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because it always brings me back. I, when I first started out and I got into some Instagram, um, mm. a, a good friend of mine, uh, Perry Nicholson. So he's the guy who runs stop chasing pain um, mm -hmm. cool guy. Like when I think of a, an individual who, just can develop relationships and just truly cares about the industry as a whole, not just himself. That, that's, that's who I think about. That's who comes to mind. So I sent him a text uh, or, or a message on Instagram once. And I was just like, okay, so I'm trying to figure out like, how do you, how do you get so much engagement in your posts? How do you mm. um, have such a massive following and just get people? Cause I, like, I know, you know, a lot, but you organize, you just get so much engagement Right. Honestly, he just sent me a message back. And the only thing he said was speak from the heart. That's all he said. Right. 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 So what you were saying about the social media, long post, short post, like, how do I get it? You know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, if you're going to develop a relationship with somebody in person, now this is electronic, but how are you going to develop right. that relationship? Are you going to be fake and just do whatever they want you to do? Well, no, you're going to be genuine. You're going to actually be interested in them and developing that relationship and showing that 
you have empathy for them in their situation, right? No matter right. what it is. And um, yeah, that's just, it's, <laughs> it's so funny thinking about that we ask those, like looking back, I'm like, obviously speak from the heart, obviously like I want <laughs> right. to show that I care, right? Um, so it's but just- it's easier just, said than done. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I, I, it, a huge part of that too is looking internally and thinking, why am I actually doing what I'm doing? And I think mm. a lot of people, the fitness industry gets, um, there's obviously a lot of connotations, positive and negative. Um, but I think a lot of people get into the fitness industry for the quote unquote wrong reasons in the sense that they're doing it for themselves. They're doing it for the end goal, for the lifestyle, especially we see this with online training these days where, mm-hmm. you know, they get into it because they want to be sipping Mai Tais on the beach and not work, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is, you know, obviously just a, a fallacy. Yeah. Um, but if you're getting into the personal training industry or the fitness industry in general for those selfish reasons or for the money or for whatever it may be, it's hard to couple that with us with, with the authenticity and have it work to your favor because now the authentic approach isn't for the client. It's for you. And that's going to be really hard to build genuine relationships and run everything through that filter. It's, it's going to force you to have to think about every single thing that you do to have it fit the client and not just allow you know, your heart to speak, um, which I think a lot of people don't recognize that either. Like, of course I'm doing it for the client. But when you really dig, it's like, are you though? Because as soon as something gets hard, you want to quit. <laughs> yeah. That you're probably not doing it for the client. And that's exactly what happens if you go in for the money or you go in for these other reasons. As soon as you hit a little bump in the road, it's like, well, this isn't worth it anymore. Yeah. That's why I think you see so many new trainers come in and leave and then you've got yeah. like you've you've either been in the industry for you know five six seven eight right. nine ten years or you are within your first year or a year and a half right right it's almost like a stop gap for a lot of people which i i also think for clients is dangerous but well that's a topic for another day <laughs> so yeah, absolutely man there was a a post that uh, like an email I received mm-hmm. and it was a, a discussion about like, I don't want, don't want to get into the, like, I don't want to talk about for me, the, what it said inside it, but the, the title sure. is what caught me. Right. And it was basically, it's just saying that the fitness industry is broken. Mm. Can you just talk about what was meant by that kind of the fitness industry is broken because I read the entire thing and I completely agree Um, and just kind of talk about where it's going right so if it's broken how can we fix it or how can we kind of move in a different direction sure Um, so yeah it's it's there's certainly multiple pieces to this I, I think the COVID situation is it was a perfect situation of, of amplifying what's wrong with the industry to some extent, mm-hmm. but in general, you know, business dictates fitness in, in traditional fitness industry. And what I mean by that is what's, what's going to make sense for the gym and, and um, what protocols are put in place for the trainer and the client and basically how all those systems operate is running through the filter of what's going to be best for the business, not necessarily what's going to be best for fitness. And what I mean by that is if someone needs a 75 minute session, we squeeze them into 60 because that's what, how the business is structured. If someone needs a 35 minute session, we squeeze them in or we, we expand it to 60 because that's how business is structured. Um, when, when life happens with a client and they can't come to the gym or life happens with you, which, which by the way is inevitable, this COVID situation obviously is a huge grand example of that. Um, but on a micro level, that's going to happen all the time. 
you can't see your clients. And then when you can't see your clients, you don't get paid. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if, if you're not directly in front of a client, when inevitably something happens, you're, you're kind of out of luck. And that model is, is really unsustainable. Mm-hmm. And so from a high level, um, that was kind of the crux of the article was this system is not sustainable. And when you're trading time for money like that, which again, is not necessarily inherently bad, but when you look at it in the fitness space, it creates a relatively low ceiling. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the students who come to the OTA are, hey, I've done pretty much everything I can do. I've maxed out my prices. I've maxed out my clients. I'm making the money I want to make. I'm working myself to death every single day. I don't know my next step. And when you're working in an ecosystem where you only get paid when you're directly in front of a client and not for anything else that you do, that's, that's the result. Yeah. Um, and and it's, there's not a clear path as to once you hit that point, which by the way, a lot of people go, a lot of people's goal is to hit that point, which is great. I think it's a good spot to be, but I think we're seeing now, is it a good spot to be? It, it, it creates a lot of other issues and it creates some urgency and it creates some stagnation of, I've hit this dead end, even though I was trying to hit this dead end, because there's not a clear path of what to do after that, or yeah. what systems could I potentially put in place so I'm not always trading time for dollars, or so I can expand my ceiling while also not having to work, you know, from five to ten every single day. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of the 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 overarching point of that article is this is the current situation. Um, right now, there isn't a clear path as to what fitness professionals or trainers should do to either avoid that or what fork to take once they get into that point. But it was also a piece about hope, man. You know, it, it was a, a lot of it was around, but the industry is changing a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. we are now creating paths for people to take once they hit that point or an ecosystem where the end goal isn't even to get to that point. You know, which I think is the root of a lot of the problems that, that we're seeing right now. And of course, in COVID, we saw this, you know, what I mentioned, life inevitably happens. <laughs> this is a huge example of life because it's affecting everyone. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we know this better than anyone else. Look at what it's doing to the industry and, and to trainers. And a lot of people are scrambling and don't know what to do. And they had all their eggs in one basket. And it's, it's, really, it's really amplified the fragility of a lot of people's systems and businesses and training. Um, and so a lot of that piece was, how can we avoid this from happening? Because while no one expected COVID, mm-hmm. specifically, I'm not sure if it was shocking what happened in terms of, there's always going to be something that throws us all for a loop. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not sure many people could predict, oh, it's going to be this specifically. But the need for resiliency in a business, I think, has always been there. And a lot of people who haven't thought about that in the past are forced to think about it now, which I think is a huge positive. Yeah. But anyway, that, that, that was kind of the point of that piece. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. Um, for the longest time, like I've worked as a, a kinesiologist in, in several clinics. I've worked mm. as a strengthening conditioning coach. I've worked as a personal trainer. I've managed a couple fitness facilities the fee for service model, honestly, like when it comes to your own um, security mm-hmm. sucks, right? It does. It really like does. it's, it's really hard. And I, I know there's not really like when you, when you look at a lot of those, um, 
like those careers, it's really hard to get around that. Like if you're looking at a, even as a physio or a chiro or an osteopath, it's a little bit hard to get around that, but specifically as a personal trainer, because it's not a necessarily a recognized, um, you know, or, or controlled mm. industry. And right. so most insurance companies don't give money for people to go and get a personal trainer, even though it could probably prevent everything else. But once again, a discussion <laughs> right. for a total another day. Yes. But um, yeah, the fee for service model is very tough. And now you look at trainers, like all the clubs have had to lay off trainers. So trainers are sitting there like, what do I do? And you've seen a lot. Um, I'm surprised Instagram hasn't crashed yet. <laughs> the amount of Insta, like everybody's on Instagram live, right? Yes. Every single person, they're running small little classes, boot camps, whatever it is, um, just from the comfort of their own home. I, I sure. know my, my wife is actually, she's doing um, her yoga teacher training. So she's teaching yoga classes on Instagram live for different studios as oh, part of her training. Yeah, so yeah. it's, it's really, um, it's, it, yeah, you've seen a massive change in how trainers are having to do this. And I think it also, also brings up another question, like how does a trainer move from specifically if they're brand new move from still trying to learn how to cue a client with some tactile feedback. Now all you're able to use is a demo and some verbal communication, which for a lot of clients is really, really difficult to do too. Sure. Right. So yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, it's, it's a huge part of the conversation of who is online training right for. And it's a really interesting, you know, before COVID, we, we were able to kind of take a position of, Hey, you should be, these are the boxes that you should check if you want to be an online trainer. You know, for instance, you should have experience as a personal trainer, at mm -hmm. least a year, you should feel comfortable, really comfortable with programming for your clients and really comfortable with what you do and who you train. Because the thing is, man, when you're when you're personal training in person, you're very reactive. You mm -hmm. have the luxury of seeing someone mess up or seeing someone have poor form and and cueing them and saying, hey, let's see if this works. And if it doesn't, you're able to try something else to see if that works. And if it does fix it, great. We only had one poor set. Yeah. Um, now, when you move online, you're in a much more proactive space where yeah. you have to understand what's going to happen before it happens. You don't have the luxury of being in that reactive space. You have to understand, okay, these clients of mine sit a lot. You know, they're going to have tight hip flexors, which is going to mean this when they squat. So in your program, and you have to say, hey, if you feel this when you squat, make this adjustment and you should feel it this way. And it just takes a deeper level of understanding. It takes a stronger communication skills. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, it's, it's really interesting because during this whole COVID situation, it's like, if you still want to train clients, what other option do you have? Yeah. Um, and so it's been a really interesting balance for us to try to figure out, you still have to have that programming. And, and, and we still take the approach of, if you don't know how to program for your clients, it's really, really difficult to learn how to become a good trainer online. You know, just, just for that reason, it's a much slower process. You just don't get the data and the feedback necessary to, to learn and grow as much as you would in person. Yeah. Um, but with all that said, man, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's absolutely nothing people can do who don't have the experience or who are still in that growing phase. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it really starts with understanding the overarching principles that make you a successful trainer in person are gonna make you a successful trainer online as well. The delivery yeah. of, of these skills changes, how you communicate changes, how you shape the expectations of the clients changes. Mm -hmm. 
But in terms of what you're really trying to accomplish, it remains the same. And I find that's one of the biggest misconceptions is people think it's a completely different space, which in some regards it is, but from a high level, it's really not. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, and it starts with us understanding what are the inherent benefits of the online space? What are the inherent benefits of the in-person space? And, and, and just having a deeper understanding of who it's for and what problems it solves because our clients are gonna have absolutely no idea. Yeah. Um, the industry barely understands what it is and if we ever want it to be accepted as a viable environment um, by the gen pop, it has to start with us. And so a lot of our efforts now is trying to educate trainers as to what that understanding is so that then we can appropriate, appropriately educate the clients. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of um, the, the stuff that I've been reading about gyms, about trainers, about kind of the fitness industry has been very interesting, mm. specifically when you look from the client's point of view too, right? So they're talking about, you know, so I spend, you know, sometimes upwards of two, $300 a month on a gym membership, if it's a big corporate gym. Sure. And they're now realizing because they're not paying that, that if they buy a few kettlebells or a couple dumbbells or whatever it is that they're purchasing to do some exercise and they do an online class, they can get it done in the, in the comfort of their own home for a fraction of the price. And on their own time too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask a, just a little bit about kind of just getting a background about the PTDC and, and their position in the industry and kind of what, what they, um, what they're striving to do for trainers. Yeah, certainly, man. So, you know, it's kind of twofold. One, we, we certainly, what you kind of touched on earlier, we want to be an information filter for people. It's, it's really challenging both as trainers and clients, honestly, to understand what's valuable, what's true, what's not true, what should I be focusing on? There's so much information out there. What's going to be valuable to help me take steps forward? We want to help be that filter for people and say, hey, we're going to do the work for you. Yes, information is everywhere. We're going to package it and present it to you in order to show you what's important to, to become a better trainer. I mean, our ultimate goal is to create better trainers and really raise the standard of the fitness industry. We know the barrier is very low for people to get in. Um, and we know the turnover is high. We know the connotations are out there with what, how people view the fitness industry and these shirtless bros and bodybuilders and stuff kind of being the face of it and the Instagram people and which is okay. Yeah. But we know it's so much deeper than that. And, and some of the most intelligent and, and ambitious and driven people I've ever met are in the fitness space. And I think the public perception doesn't align with the reality within the industry. And so, and I think a part of that is by creating stronger professionals. And mm -hmm. so that's certainly one goal of ours. I think the other goal too is sort of going back to what we were talking about is creating more freedom for fit pros. We know the general path that people are put on when they get in the industry doesn't necessarily lead them to the place where they want to be. Mm -hmm. And so we want to be the source of information that says, one, you don't have to follow that path. There's other ways to do it. Um, and just making that known because I feel like a lot of people just don't, aren't aware of it. They, yeah. they don't, they don't realize that when they're striving to, build their client roster at 24 or independently or whatever it may be that they're going to get to a point where they're likely going to get burnt out if, if they're not being purposeful about their time and where they're spending their energy. And so we want to one shine light on that information and then provide them alternative paths to say, you can be a really strong fitness professional and trainer 
and not work yourself to death and make a good living. Mm -hmm. And I think um, a lot of personal trainers who are either in the industry or looking to get into the industry, one of the big things is they have a a very skewed view about what online training really is because mm. they see it as, you know, you mentioned, you know, they, they want to get in and they want to sit on a beach sipping Mai Tais and not really <laughs> have to work because it's all online, right? So you can work from anywhere, which is true, but there is still a lot of work involved in um, program design, check-ins, communication and all that. So can yes. you just kind of compare the in-person personal training versus the online and, and, like how much there is actually personal interaction and sometimes mm -hmm. even more if a trainer does like if an in-person trainer doesn't actually communicate with their client outside of their three sessions per week, there's probably less communication than there is with an online trainer, right? When right. you don't even see them. Right? right. And it's probably okay to do that. I mean, it's not perhaps not ideal if you're an in-person trainer and never communicating with your clients outside of the sessions, but how much is it going to impact really? I mean, they're still going to get done what they need to get done. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly not the case with online training. I mean, the, the reactive versus the proactive environment is, is huge. It forces your communication to be a lot more purposeful. Mm -hmm. um, it, 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 so, so one huge benefit of the online space is obviously a bit more freedom. You, you're not necessarily getting paid. If, if you can have six clients going at one time and while they're not, with you personally and you can be doing something else and you're getting paid that entire time yeah um whoops sorry getting a phone call it's gonna freeze myself there um <laughs> okay sweet um and so uh let me just get back to my train of thought here uh yeah yeah, yeah. so but a lot of the benefits that come from this freedom is gaining an understanding of where is it beneficial to have a human in place and where is it beneficial to automate? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people get in and say, I want to automate everything. I yeah. just want to, I want to deliver programs. I don't want to talk to the clients, blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's okay. Um, but it's not online coaching. It's a, it's a subscription-based service where you're going to have to compete on pretty low prices. You're going to have to get a lot of members. It's pretty low yield. Um, but when it comes to actually coaching, the skill set required is slightly different. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for instance, you're not, you don't have the luxury of being with a client and seeing their body language and understanding um, facial expressions as well. And you have to read between the lines a little bit better when you're having conversations with them. You have to do a much better job in your initial consultation of setting expectations of how this journey is going to go and what feelings that they're going to experience that they're going to want to quit. And, you know, because you're there have a lot more freedom of thought on their end they're mm -hmm. able to run through a lot more thought processes that you're usually there for and you're able to catch that but you but now as an online coach you have to be much more purposeful on how you set those expectations up at the very start so that when they have those thoughts inevitably on their own they already have an understanding of what path to go down and you don't have to be right there to catch it mm -hmm. um you have to be much more purposeful about how you program. You have to be much more clear about this is what's important when it comes to performing this exercise. You have to be much more clear about when someone is sending you a video, whether it's for an assessment or for a form check, or whatever it may be, there's an extra step of, we have to take a lot more time to be clear about what's required on their end. Whereas mm -hmm. if we're saying it to them in person, it's, it's, it's a lot more, lot more available and you can answer questions right there 
And so, you know, the principles are similar, but it, it requires a deeper understanding of your clients and it requires a more purposeful approach of how you actually communicate and set expectations up because yes, they have a lot more freedom, but with that freedom comes more responsibility from our end. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the worst thing would be for you to hand a client a program, do no check-ins, no, um, you know, as you said, form checks via video. And then right. all of a sudden you've got a client who gets injured doing exercises that you gave them. And it's like, okay, well, you've lost a client. You may have, you know, some other legal issues on your hand. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff there. So I, I like that. For sure. There For is sure. still like, there's still an assessment. There is still right. form checks. It's just, as you said, it's a lot more proactive beforehand talking to them, setting expectations and telling them like, we're going to do, you know, maybe a, a weekly chat. I'm going to get you to send every time I give you a new exercise, I'm going to get you to send me a video of it just to make sure that you're doing it right. Yep. And, um, you know, we can make sure that we kind of correct things from there. And, and where so many put their focus on is the ongoing in terms of how can I deliver this in a way that makes sense or what do I need to keep in mind in the delivery? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just, the, it's not the most beneficial way of thinking because the principles with the delivery are the same. What's going to be more valuable is how can you set this up on the front end? And so your clients understand what this is. We understand it. We know what we're looking for in a form video, but if, if your client doesn't and they're uncomfortable with it, or they don't send you the video in the right way, or it's unclear or whatever it may be, that's where a lot of the problems are going to arise. Mm -hmm. The problems aren't going to arise with once you get the perfect video, you can check their form now i mean now it's just be, it's just being a trainer now yeah um where the barrier is is getting your clients to understand the value um if they don't care about it they're not going to do it yeah um and really being thoughtful about how you communicate and how you build these systems so that you can get to that end point where they send you a video that you can actually utilize the check form yeah um, that's that's where a lot of the thought i think should be and that's that's that thinking is very different from in-person training. Yeah. So what are some of, cause you've mentioned the, the word principles multiple times. And I love, mm. um, I, I love talking about principles versus kind of the system that you put in. Sure. Um, so what are kind of some of the foundational principles that um, whether it be the online trader Academy, the PTDC, or even just in general online training as a whole, what yep. kind of principles do you see that are, basically standard across the board for everybody? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a great question. Well, I'll start with the OTA um, because we kind of have two guiding principles that we teach at the very start that run throughout the program. One is the two golden rules, which is from John Goodman, um, which is do a great job at, and make sure everybody knows about it. Mm -hmm. That's We kind of serve that as the foundation, both of obviously very high level, but the foundation both of these are the two buckets you need to do. Yes, you need to you need to over deliver to your clients and get them results. You also need to be sure that people know that you're doing that. Um, mm. The other guiding principle that we teach in the OTA is, and, and, and this runs very deep, but what would this look like if it were easy? Mm. And it's a question that we, we encourage our students to ask themselves at a lot of different crossroads in their journey, because something we see so often is this stagnation and paralysis by analysis at different parts of the process that, are the micro like we talked about it's not valuable places to spend your time um and what a lot of coaches need right now is something to keep them moving forward and to take action and we find a lot of people like to get 
to a point where it's absolutely perfect before they start putting it out in the world and getting feedback and getting data. And really you're just losing out on time because number one, it's never going to be absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, If you strive for that perfection, you're always going to be striving for it and you're just going to stay on the other side of action, which is not beneficial. But then the information, the feedback and the data that you get from putting things out in the world um, and, and, and running people through your systems and, um, help you refine the next thing that you try. And it's going to, you know, so often people don't move forward because of the unknown. What's one, what's, what's the best way to uncover the unknown move forward. Um, and so we're, we're always asking our students when, when they're thinking about, man, I've been, been thinking about my business name for the past two months. I've been thinking about, you know, who my client, who my ideal client is for the past six months. I haven't started with the program. Um, or even when it comes to like, how do I deliver this workout? How do I assess this person? So often running it through the filter of what would this look like if it were easy gives you, it, it allows you to think from a principle-based standpoint and think, mm-hmm. what do I really need to accomplish here? Which is the thinking that I, I want everyone to be in. And then how you check off those boxes is going to be much less important. So yeah. if we're, th- you know, if we're talking online training, so we have, a, we have this challenge called the founding client challenge, which is basically a uh, week-long challenge where we provide people who enroll um, weeks worth of content, scripts, and basically the structure is these people are creating a beta program at a discount and trying to get people through the door to show them what they can do and also just get the ball rolling with their online systems. Mm-hmm. We position this as you do this first before you even join the OTA. If you have if you have clients that are waiting for you on the other side, you're going to figure it out. Um, and the what would this look like if it were easy question is going to be forced to come to the surface and say, what's really valuable here? Um, what, what and what is not? <laughs> what am I thinking about that really isn't going to move me forward that I'm just having that false productivity on and what's really important? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, man, I want to say, was it Thomas Edison? I want to say it was Thomas Edison. But don't quote me on that. He used to put out, <laughs> not that you will. He used, to, he used to put out press releases saying, hey, this is a, this is a new invention. It's going to be out by this date before he was even close to being done. And that public accountability forced him to finish it. Yeah. And so um, we just realized that so many people who were trying to make this transition weren't focused on what can I do to, you know, what what guiding principles can I check off? They're so much more focused on what delivery service do I use? What software do I use? Should I yeah. use Trainerize or PT Distinction? It's like, that's, that's you're thinking <laughs> in the micro. Yeah. What do you want your software to accomplish? Find a software that checks off those two or three boxes, pick a free trial and just run with it. Yeah. Or if you really just want to start, you can deliver your programming via Google Sheets and then transition to a software later and you're going to learn so much um, from going that route. But um, those are kind of the two principles that we teach in the OTA that we feel kind of helps people get unstuck from that paralysis by analysis and that that perfection mindset that really prevents people from making that transition at all because it is is nerve-wracking. And a lot of times to get comfortable, you got to do it. Yeah. and, it, and a lot of people just don't make that transition. Yeah. 
you even see that, and I know you've probably seen this too, but even just in general, like even in in-person trainers, right? They, they have the exact same thing. They start out and they're like, how do I, how do I know what the best exercise is? And I'm like, well, you probably have like 50 exercises that could work in this scenario. So pick one. Right. right? The difference between um, doing a, like outside of any injuries or other issues, the difference between doing a, uh, a, barbell back squat versus a um, you know box squat are going to be negligible in the overall scheme of things right right the exception is if the person has knee pain maybe you want to do a box squat instead because it changes the amount of forward tilt on the on the tibia right so but outside of all that like it really doesn't matter just choose right honestly man so many oh I'm, i'm sorry interrupt no go ahead go ahead i'll say you know we are making this so many people in the fitness space right now when thinking about online training is the equivalent of a client who never works out and mm-hmm. they're wanting to work out. They're sitting on the couch doing nothing and they want to do something. That's a lot of the conversations we're having is these trainers are doing nothing in terms of the online space, but they want to start doing something. And we're trying to make that transition, which is very challenging, both in fitness and in business. Yeah. You know, exactly like you said this client who's doing absolutely nothing, whether they do walking lunges, stationary lunges, front squat, back squat, it's pretty irrelevant unless they have some underlying condition that, you know, but you know, whether they have, they have apples or bananas, it's like just eat fruit and vegetables. And honestly, it doesn't even matter what it is. Um, Just start moving your body in some way, shape or form. Here are the principles that you need. You need to hydrate. You need to eat protein. You need to eat vegetables. You need to move your body. You need to sleep how you get that done, just figure out a way to get it done that works for you and that is sustainable for you and that you don't hate. Yeah. And then, and then we can tweak. And that's a lot of our conversations now with online training is you need to understand what these principles are. You need a way to accept payments. You need a way to deliver your services. You need a way to communicate with clients effectively. You need a way to assess clients effectively and set their expectations up. How, what, what tools you use to do that there's a, there's a ton of different ways to do that. Yep. Don't focus all your energy on what's the quote unquote best tool or right way to do it. The right way to do it when making this transition is a way that's sustainable for you, a way that makes sense for you and your clients, a way that you don't absolutely hate. You know, I have conversations, people are like, man, I've been connected with people on social media and, and I've been posting videos, but I, I despise videos. It takes me six hours to do one and I can't stand it. It's like, <laughs> you shouldn't do it. Yeah. You're going to hate your life. You know, it's over the next two weeks. If you do this every day, you're going to be like, I, I hate this so much. And same with fitness. If someone's on a, on a diet that they hate or they're working out and they dread going to the gym, of course it's not sustainable, man. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go back to something you said way in advance, just to kind of tie it up. So you mentioned about getting feedback, right. As part of the, the two golden rules that you guys have. Sure. And um, it's so interesting too, because like when you make the link between in-person training and online training, like your clients are your walking billboard. If you do a good job, totally right. They're your walking billboard. But if you're doing online training, nobody, nobody knows, nobody sees them. So you have to get, you know, progress pictures. You have to get testimonials. You've got to get, you know, maybe even a video of the person talking about it. Sure. to get the word out there because how else are you going to build your own brand as a, as an online trainer? 
and and get more clients. Like that's how you do it in person. So why that just makes sense online as well. For sure. And that's such a brilliant example, by the way, just to cut you off as to the high level principle is the exact same in in person online, how you go about it is different. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. Um, so I, I, I like that too, man. I'm again, <laughs> I feel like I'm saying so sorry to interrupt every time. No worries. Uh, but just to finish that thought out, to take that one step further, getting your clients on board with the vision and, and, and getting them to the point where they want to share what they've accomplished is even mm-hmm. better. And being thoughtful about, again, what can you do on the front end or the back end, depending on how you, how you see it, to, to get them to get behind this vision um, is really important too. And a lot of that starts with understanding what problems are you really solving for your clients? What situations are they in that are going to cause them to want to work with you? And having that understanding is something else that becomes much more important when you shift online, mm-hmm. you know, especially people who work in big box gyms or independent or whatever it may be. Like you said, your clients are walking billboards. Maybe your clients are fed to you. It, having clients and getting client acquisition doesn't necessarily require you have that understanding of what, who you're actually helping and what you're helping them with. Yeah. When you align, now you're competing with people who live across the country. Now you're competing with people who aren't in your 15, 20 mile radius of you, that understanding and carving out your own corner sort of based on that understanding just becomes a lot more important but also having an understanding helps you work with clients so much better and it helps you accomplish them or, you know, that, that piece of getting them on board with what they're really doing with you and helps them understand, um, Oh, you're helping me with a lot more than just this physical aspect of it. You're helping me become the version of myself that I want to become. And, and now when you're talking selling and, and, and retention, if you can operate from that foundation, everything becomes a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, I think this is a great kind of start to our conversation. Um, I really want to get into speaking about kind of what can trainers do right now? Because, you know, obviously current situation aside, there's going to be a new normal when even everything mm-hmm. kind of opens back up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to get into talking a little bit about how trainers actually get started and get kind of their foot in the door to online training. And so I think this is a great place to stop part one and then we'll pick it up in part two. State of the Industry Podcast. I'll be back.